Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 168 of CS Radio. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Natty Leach. And Natty. Michael. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I wasn't fishing. I'm acting surprised. But <laughs> I, I knew. Uh, yes. Thank you very much for all of the birthday treats today. It was much appreciated. And uh, just two weeks ago, we were we were recording on your birthday. I know. It's Sam, uh, is, when's your birthday? June 1st. Well, we won't be recording on your birthday. <laughs> we could be. Is it a Wednesday? <laughs> Let's see. I'll look it up. June 1st. Months away. Typically our hiatus time, but I would record... It's a on a Thursday. Oh! It's on Thursday. You ruined the streak. Tough. You know, I'm sure everybody would love to have off on their birthday, but I, I think it's nice coming into an office. Uh, I've had many, uh, many uh, gifts in the, in the Teams chat today wishing me happy birthday. We have a clear winner, by the way, in my eyes, but uh, I'm going to let the day run out, and then I'll announce who, who sent me the most appropriate birthday gift well who's leading do you want me to tell you yeah the people want to know natty had a strong lead right out of the gate but he's been dethroned by lisa by lisa i don't even think i saw lisa's yet it's amazing lisa sent me uh, a picture of steven sondheim doing a a standing ovation oh Mm. i did see that i did not instantly recognize it as being sondheim because i'm not as a so I feel like Lisa Not really took took me in. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Natty, of course, provided a, a, a Shakespeare wishing me a happy birthday, so also strong. Um, but uh, the, the day's not over yet, folks. The day's young. Maybe we'll have to follow up next week. But this is all to my point. We had a nice birthday lunch. I've had many birthday greetings. It is really nice to come into a, a workplace where you are celebrated as a person and, and, and things in your life are recognized. And, it's a uh, great welcoming office culture. It's a very welcoming office culture. Back in the day, we used to have birthday bagels when we used to meet in person. I miss this, those bagels. This has been the really, this has been the downside of moving to Zoom for our, our staff meeting. Yeah, the salt and pepper bagels were really good. <sighs> the occasional uh, babkas were good. I love a babka. A Danish. There was always a variety of things, but the bagels in particular. Anyway, let's not dwell on the past. The point is, we have a very welcoming office, but not all offices are like this, right? Some environments are, to coin a phrase, toxic. Toxic. We're going to do a little bit of an article review today. You found a really interesting uh, article uh, from the Muse, our old standby, the Muse, about how to spot signs of to- toxic culture as early as a job description. Um, and this was spurred on, uh, Natty, you were talking, uh, you know, you, you said you may think of you're hearing a lot about uh, exoduses from the tech industry in particular at the yeah, moment. Yeah, there, there are a lot of tech layoffs going on right now in the news. Um, I think just today or last night it broke that Meta was going to start laying off about like 13%, I think which equates to, I think I read 11,000 positions, which is a ton. Obviously, not too long ago, we also heard about um, Twitter is looking at some layoffs. There was another big tech company. Who was the other one? Do you remember, Michael, offhand? I don't want to say but something I'm wrong about. But it's in general, it's not been a, a, a great time as... There's been a few, and, and it has influenced conversations I've had with students who obviously are some 
often interested in these large, big brand name tech companies, um, which have great roles. But um, they were hesitant sometimes, like, should, should I be worried about applying to and investing time in a company that I see right now has these layoffs going on? Um, and, and so it got me thinking about how, how can students best evaluate is, is a company the right fit for me? Um, or is it going to be a place where I feel supported when I work there? So when I saw this article, it stood out to me about how to see signs for, for potential um, toxic culture, even in as early as the job description, you might get a sense of, oh, maybe this is an environment that I should be at least wary of. It might raise some flags that maybe are opportunities for you to ask additional questions in an interview to better understand what you're getting yourself into. What intrigued me about this uh, article is uh, the idea that you could possibly spot signs of if not a toxic environment, but exactly what you were saying about, th- well, maybe this is not a good fit for yeah. me because I'm reacting to something in this job posting at knee-jerk reaction for me right off the bat. The first thing they say to look out for is cute, quirky titles or language. So uh, they stress the need that you know most people really are looking for a professional job title and a professional job description. So things like content wizard or word master or guru these might be red bells uh red bells red flags warning bells um for me because that says to me they don't know what they want they don't really know what they want they know that they need quote unquote content and they need copyright so they need someone bringing in their expertise to just make it work right and there's also the veneer of like this is going to be fun. Yeah. But not all jobs are fun and that's okay. Sometimes you want to have the professional side that will be a good resume builder. It might seem a little weird to be putting um what were some wizard on your yeah. um on your resume as your most recent position. So even if that is a fun environment, um <laughs> does that fit in well to how you want to project yourself in the future for how what you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, I totally agree. Um it's 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 not only an indicator of perhaps what the job would be, but then you're like, what do I want my future to be, right? If I want to move on to, you know, from this small, you know, maybe it's a small house, right? A small independent firm where I'm this copyright guru, but I want to go on and work for a big publishing house or a journal, you know, am I going to be able to put copywriting guru on my resume and have that be in any way meaningful? Am I going to have to sort of futz my title? Is that going to be out in the world? Is that what's going to be on the website? Is that what's going to be on my LinkedIn? Um, Do I really want that following me? Maybe I do. Maybe for someone else, that's perfect. They want to be seen as fun. They want to work in the quirkier places. They would be happy to be called, uh, you know, a content wizard across platforms, across jobs. Um, but for a lot of people, that might be something that they want to stay away from. And it puts extra pressure on the 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 job seeker to better create a narrative and understanding of what that role actually entailed, what was most valuable about that role that they were able to accomplish from a pre- professional standpoint that wasn't just wizardry or wasn't just something silly sounding. Yeah. Uh, it also kind of speaks to how much they might value you as a person or yeah. as an employer. If, they, if they're looking at you as, as cutesy, are you going to have the opportunities you want to have to make a meaningful impact? Or are they just going to give you the grunt work that they think is trivial? 
Um, I, I think there's a potential that maybe they see your role in this organization as trivial, just like they see this job title as trivial as well. So that might also speak to those kind of relationships and the opportunities you might have once you're in that office culture. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that uh, another uh, great point that they raise here is uh, be uh, aware of ambiguous or excessively long lists of responsibilities. Um, I see this, both of these, a lot here at Penn. I have to say. And we try to combat it. It is difficult. So it's some of very these, difficult sometimes. There's some grain of salt with all of these, right? And that's sure. why I say you want to treat them as potential red flags and an opportunity for you to ask more questions about it in an interview or in a networking session so you can better classify it. But like one of the things that we saw, see all the time at Penn, even though when we try our best to avoid it, is the other responsibilities or those other duties as assigned sometimes make up a large chunk of your role at an organization. Um, and it, it's hard to evaluate for you as a job seeker, what that really means or what it's going to entail once you're in that position. Sometimes there's benefit to that. Sometimes there's the idea that if there are these other duties as assigned or other responsibilities, maybe you have additional flexibility, but it could also be that the employer doesn't have a strong sense of what they want you to do um, or what your actual responsibility or is. Or that you'll just be expected to do whatever's or thrown anything. at you, yeah. right? So I, I had this, I had this very experience myself Um and I felt it in the interview, but I was like, eh, this still seems like it could be good for me. I'm going to go with it. Where they were very vague about what the job might end up being. And on my very first day, um, I sent like a welcome email out with my job title at the bottom. And my supervisor came to me and said, uh, I don't think that's your title. I know that's kind of what we talked about, but I don't think that's going to be your title. And I went, that's what's on my cubicle. Like I like <laughs> I'm I just copied what was on my desk plate here. And he went, Oh, oh, okay, great. Uh <laughs> but very quickly my duties did not match that title. And I think that they kind of felt that going in, that they sold it one way, but what they really needed was something else. And it made for a really difficult year because I had expectations in one place. And what they really needed was something very different. And so that was not a great fit for me. And uh, there were some red flags. And, you know, I, I took a deep breath and I hope for the best. And, you know, in that particular case, it, it didn't work out. Um, but, you know, to, the, to on the flip side of that, you're right that sometimes that means there can be room for growth and creativity in a role. Nowhere in my job description does it say anything about producing a podcast, but theoretically... If I were to leave, then when they repose this job, it's going to be part of that job description now because presumably they're going to want this show to continue. So uh, things like that, you can use that vagueness to create um, opportunity for yourself. Um, obviously, you know, it fit within the window of technology and communications. That is my job description. It, you know, expanded uh our office's reach it was a good um you know a good promotion for the office to, for people to know that there's a podcast out there in the world so it worked out really well and i was just able to create that on my own out of the sort of nebulous part of my job description and a lot of it is once these things add up 
they certainly don't work well together. But maybe if there's just one, you can still see, oh, if there's a good enough culture, otherwise I can navigate it or adjust this way to compensate for it. That being said, sometimes you don't want that kind of pressure to be put on you in a new position, especially if this is one of your first jobs out of an, out of undergrad. You're still kind of getting accustomed to what the working world is like yeah. and what your first career is like. So it's a lot of extra pressure to think that you would need to then navigate that space in a really specific way. So it's certainly worth thinking about, especially at the early stage of just looking over a job description when you see these types of things. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in the article because okay. there's one that's jumping out of me that I know that students talk to us about, which is salary range. And the warning here of an extremely wide salary range. And in fact, the example they give is like eye popping a salary range of 35000 to 130000 Well, that, as they say in the article, they say that is two very different lifestyles, which it sure is. I don't think I've ever seen one that broad, but I have seen ones where I'm like, you know, even $10,000 makes a huge difference in a job. Um, and it can be massive. Absolutely. And the point that they make there, too, is that it might point that they're they're really benefiting the people who negotiate well, not necessarily the people who are performing the highest. It could speak to those who come in and then, then already negotiate higher than what was originally given to them. Um, so it's hard to get a sense of what they really value in this one catch-all position maybe it comes back to the job title maybe they have this really nebulous job title that suits all sorts of people that they haven't described what actually each of those people do and then they try to on the back end finagle things for how they're being compensated which makes it even weirder of a discrepancy yeah totally um, it, it is hard to assess though i mean some institutions pen is one of them many higher ed institutions will have these salary bands and yeah. they'll look massive yeah um Sometimes there's some background there that's helpful to know. Um, sometimes the thing that they might be valuing for why there's that massive salary ban could be that they value tenure, someone who's staying in the organization within a specific role for a long amount of time. So that salary range might be huge because you might have people who are have been at that job title for 10 plus years. I don't know who you're talking about. Versus someone who comes in and has been in that job title for just one year. And that might say something different too. That might say the positives of people like their job. People like the company they're working for in which they would love to stay in that role. It might also speak to maybe there's less opportunity for structured growth that there's not a clear, Oh, if you're doing great in this role, here's the next step up yep. that we can move yep. you into. Um, it might also point towards something like that too. It also, I think, um, you know, at a big institution, and again, like Penn's a good example of this, things get structured in a way behind the scenes, you know, that like that like career services doesn't have any real control over when we're posting a job, yeah. what job family it goes into. And there might be a lot of different similar jobs within a family that have really widely different uh, pay uh paid salaries depending on what department what school what even the you know sometimes you know Penn has lettered subdivisions so you could be a coordinator a coordinator a b c d and each of those then has its own uh, pay scale within the broader pay scale right so um, and sometimes that information can be hard to find as a job seeker um, I actually haven't looked recently if it's 
it used to be it fairly used to be easier to find. To find. Than it is yeah, now. now it's it's just sort of buried in the workday system, yeah. right? But a lot of really large organizations, you can often go to the human resources page of that organization, and many times they'll have some public information about what those different yeah. delineations mean. They might have a quartile system of how people fall within these large salary bands that could be useful to know, um, or a target midpoint. They'll say. Um, and, and that can be helpful. I think the biggest thing is thinking about what types of questions does this spur for you to think about sure. asking. One of them might be as simple as what opportunities are there for growth in this role um, that you ask someone at the end of an interview um, where they can better explain like you'll have opportunities to do these things or, hey, there are these metrics that um, if you're performing well, you get this salary bonus or you like th- they can give you some more specifics that might be really useful to know that you otherwise wouldn't have seen without asking a really clear question like that, or it might illuminate the idea that the role is great and you get to do a lot, but there's not always a clear, a clear path for advancement. That's true at a lot of companies where um, there's only so many positions that companies have sometimes, and there's not always a, 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 a an, an analyst to a senior analyst to a director an, analyst. Like there's not always an obvious and clear path that goes up there. Um, which isn't always a bad thing, but it's important to, to know what you're getting yourself into. It can also help you um, in negotiation, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. that um, if there's this wide range, then that might benefit the person that really knows how to negotiate. And again, I would I would say make sure you've done your research, see if you can find out what people have traditionally made in this role at this company or a similar role at a similar company, um, and just try and go in with guns blazing because they've given you that doorway, right? They've given you that that doorway. I mean, it's the you know we've done whole shows about negotiation, but that whole thing about on a job application if they tell you. Name your name your salary or like what's your expected salary here? You know, am I going to underprice myself? I'm going to overprice myself. It puts so much pressure on, on the person. But here, if they've given you this wide range, and hey, you know, shoot for the moon, I say. So let's see what are other uh, warning signs and job descriptions here. Uh, the last one that they mentioned, we skipped a couple, but uh, the last one on the list here, which I think is great, is uh, noticing urgency and stress in the language. As um, I think especially speaks to the tech, tech companies yeah. that we mentioned earlier. So just uh, words that I, I will say I have seen a, a lot of job postings with these words. I see them less now because I think people are coming around to it but you still uh, should be careful so some of the things that they throw out there as um, words that might again we stress might uh, be red flags fast pace environment feverish pace high capacity handle stress well work well under pressure and variations on on those sorts of things um the, they say here phrases like high capacity mean we want to own you um, this and other exaggerated or cliched language might very well be euphemisms for something much less pleasant if they said it outright. And uh, that's true. I mean, we certainly know that, you know, in certain tech jobs, the expectation is almost that you're living at your desk. Yeah, there's there's crunch periods where you have to meet certain metrics and have to do things. And part of it is realistically understanding the difference between the industry that you're interested in and what is norm for that yep. and balancing that out with how does this com- this specific company handle what that industry norm is because we know that a lot of 
Penn students go into areas that may very well have a lot of All, this language yes. in it and succeed and thrive and succeed and do great. Um, bank investment banking is going to have long hours. Consulting is going to have long hours. Tech is going to have long hours. And those are the, our three top industries almost every year. Um, so it's really navigating. How does this employer understand those stressors and deal with those in a way that is going to be beneficial to me as their employee? That could come in a lot of different ways, right? It could be that there are added benefits to you. Maybe it's a really high salary. Maybe they understand that they work you hard, but they're going to compensate you really well for that. Um, and that, for your own value standpoint, might be good. That might be fine. You might thrive in a high-paced environment like that and feel fine, just fine knowing that, you know what, I'm getting paid extremely well um, for this position. Um, another way, though, might be a better understanding of work-life balance or a better understanding of when you can take paid time off or vacation time. Um, I was talking to one of my friends actually, who was really excited about a new, a new job. I think it was in tech actually. And, um, one of the things he said to me was, Oh yeah, there, there's unlimited vacation. I was like, mm-hmm. well, it, it, unlimited might mean there's no vacation. Sometimes when it, it gets that, it means there's wide, no set vacation. Exactly. You're not guaranteed anything. You can take it whenever you want, except when you're busy, yes, which is always, which is always. Um, so that might not even be structured enough of a benefit to see that they really understand how, how their employees need to, um, need to balance the stressors in the workplace with their own, um, their own mental health and capacity. Um, as a human being too. So it's something to be mindful of, but, but take a look and maybe think about questions that help balance that out for you, whether that's the, the salary, um, paid time off or opportunities for, um, professional development or mental health opportunities within, um, your, your health benefits for having mental health counseling that might help you feel more at ease with having these stressful hours, still being able to find yourself and time for yourself. Um, it's certainly something something to consider. I think part of it speaks to as well the idea, many of these questions, the idea of brand, brand name companies, I think comes up a lot in how we talk to students because those are oftentimes the ones that are most interesting to people. Because um, it makes sense, right? Like you've heard, totally. of, of you've heard of these big companies. Yeah. Um, and that and can, it's something you can say to your parents and your uncles and your aunts, I'm going to work for blah, blah, blah. And they'll go, whoa, okay. It's a feather in your cap. Um, But at the same time, you still want to understand that do these big companies understand the, the things that might be difficult about working at those large companies, which maybe one of those is long working hours. Um, So how, how are they specifically addressing that? And that will speak well to their company culture or lack thereof. Maybe it is not the best environment for you, but it's also something to say, maybe when you're looking at a smaller mid-sized company, maybe they still have the understanding, Hey, maybe it's a a startup or a a mid-sized kind of tech company. And they understand that there's still going to be crunch. There's still going to be times when you're working really hard, but maybe they've gone above and beyond to, to balance that out in some other sort of way to make sure that you're still either compensated or feel that you have a balance there. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask both Natty and Sam, what would your red flags be in a job description? Red flags. Natty, you want to go first? Uh, let me think. I mean, we've talked about so many. Let me think of some of the ones that we 
we skipped that I might think about too. I think it's tough for me to even like view red flags, especially from more of like a you want the role position where it's like you kind of overlook anything, mm-hmm. any small details like that. So it's oh, I can make that work because I really want this position. Uh-huh. It's a good point because so often you're in the mindset of I need I need this, yeah, and mm-hmm. I need to do whatever I can to get this, and that might end up making sure that you roll over or round out anything that might seem like a hard edge. You might just glance over. Um, so that is a really good point. I think something that speaks across many of these on the list that stands out to me is just the idea of being particularly vague or ambiguous. Vague, yeah. About I was going to say the me same too. thing. Yep. Um, especially not having much in a job description at all always stands out to me. If I'm looking at a job description and it's really short and there's not a lot in there, it raises so many questions for me that I oftentimes don't even consider applying to it because it's so it's so vague. I feel like I would have to put in so much extra work to even understand what I was getting myself into um, that it's not worth worth my time. I'd say the same thing in terms of the ambiguous uh, language because it, it makes sense when it says about the company or about the role where it's just kind of broad. You want to learn about a certain industry. But when it comes to like the actual like job description, like what are the tasks and they're listing it and it's still just like learning it's like what is the actual task is it with like a content management system i'm working with or is it just learning about this or like a willingness to engage like i don't know what that means what is the actual action i am performing so i would definitely agree with that i mean it's the same for me i mean like i said i i definitely got burned by that in a previous job so um yeah vagueness definitely i think is a, a warning sign i think that huge salary range too could be something i would have questions about I would have questions about if not, a, you know, if not a, a, a full on like, ooh, I'm not going to apply for that. I'd be like, well, that's something I'm going to have to bring up because I can make 130 work, but I can't make 30. <laughs> I can't make 30 work, right? So um, those the those would be my two, I think. And, and, and knowing myself, I think I would be cautious about anything that leaned in too heavily to things like fast pace, high workload, things like that. Like some of that's okay, but if that's the that's the main thrust of the job posting that's probably not for me that's probably not for me so we will uh post a link to this muse article in the show notes uh you can take a look at some of the ones that we uh skipped over uh as always such great content from the muse and uh you can find out what your own red flags are and we will see you next time on cs radio This podcast is presented by University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of University Life. It was created by Milan Kirshner and J. Michael DeAngelis. It was produced and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and Natty Leach and mixed and edited by Sam Pasco. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening. See you next time on CS Radio.